Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. So we are ending this uh, sermon series called The Generosity Plan. We're ending our, our series on this, and some of you are like, yes. Uh, but, um, but no, seriously, we, we are, we've been very, very excited about all that God has done and what he has shown us through this. I'm going to read you our two scripture verses that we kind of have really based a lot of what we've been talking about on this. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudging or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 26, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. He who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. My assignment today as we end is I want to talk about the God of multiplication. The God of multiplication. And so I don't know about you, but when you dream, how many of y'all have dreams? Okay, two, three people. We're, all right, we're getting there. You're like, I wasn't ready for a question. All right, seriously, how many of you have something still burning in you and there's a dream inside of you? Seriously, well, you should. You should. But when we think about dreams, let me ask you this. Do, do you think when you're dreaming, do, do, do you think small and little? Or do you think bigger or better? I mean, come on, let, let's just think about it. When we think of a salary, are you thinking small? Uh, when you think of influence, are you thinking little? When you think of faith, are you thinking little faith or, or come on, we're talking about, we're getting ready to have some Christmas dinner. Do you want a small portion or do you want a bigger and better portion? I believe there's something in all of us that likes bigger and better. I remember being younger and I loved going to Six Flags over Texas because the rides were bigger and better. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I did not want a small little ride. I wasn't wanting a Ferris wheel. Who wants to ride a Ferris wheel? I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to ride something at the fair, you know, where you were you were nervous that it was not going to stay uh, up when you were riding it. But I wanted something, come on, big. You know, I remember when they first came out with Bat, with, uh, with Bat, uh, not even, it wasn't even Bat when it was Mr. Freeze, and they talked about how fast it went. And then in two years, they came out with something bigger, and it was Batman. And then it went to the Titan, and it was bigger, and they kept doing bigger. And so I was like, I have to go back because I have to feel the wind. I have to see my face on the picture that looks scared. Come on, bigger and, and, and better, you know, I. It's now, it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, who wants to see a superhero movie when you have the Avengers? I mean, you know what I'm saying? it's like, I mean, seriously, like, I'm going to go see this one superhero try to save the day. Or I'm going to wait for Avengers to see 25 superheroes beat somebody up. I mean, who, come on. It was like, like nothing, it, like it's all next level, bigger and, and, and better. 
And, and I think it's very easy for us to think that bigger and better is more significant. But a lot of times it's the small choices that we make. It's the small decisions that we make to lead to big moments in our life. You know, I, I think for, for uh, me, it, it, it's those little moments when I surrender to the Lord. It was those little moments when I gave up some pride or some insecurity, some, some jealousy, some lust, whatever it was. It was those little things. The Bible says that it's the little things that, that really rob us from unlocking, come on, some of the big things. And so as we talk today, uh, maybe my, my mind isn't on just bigger and better, but what are the small things that we have in our life that continually rob us from the next thing? What's the small thing that, come on, that is robbing us? What's the small thought? If we were to think about that thought all the way through, is that the thought Jesus would have? Is that the thought that of the kingdom? Is that the thought of loving people? Come on, is that that makes sense. Those small thoughts. Can we? Can, oh, I know we love bigger. I know we're Americans. We love better. I know we want bigger houses. I know we want bigger vehicles. I know we want bigger and better. But what are the? What about the small things? And here's what I have seen most in my life and through Scripture is God uses the small things to produce multiplication in our life. See, God is a God of multiplication. When we see multiplication through Scripture, we see multiplication through creation. We see multiplication in the covenant. We see multiplication through the gospel. We see multiplication as, you know, there is this mandate that we plant churches and we send missionaries. Why? Because there is this idea of multiplication. Can I tell you this, that it is, it, it is good to recognize the small things that you have, but it's a bad thing to want to stay small. It is. Because that is directly in opposition to the kingdom. Because the kingdom, Jesus was the one that said, you go out, you baptize, you preach, you teach, you do. And there is this idea of the gospel that it should be spread through who? The pastor? Through who? The evangelist? Through who? Through us. But here's what happens. is because we have uh, habits and hang-ups and sin and issues and because we, we, we blow it. <laughs> I don't, I mean, probably not you, but you know what I'm saying. But, but we blow it. What we do is we disqualify ourselves because we only see the big things that are holding us back. But here's the deal. God wants to use the small things to move you forward. Does that make sense? God wants to use the small things to move you forward. Turn to John chapter 6, verse 1, and, and we're going to spend some time here today. Now, you guys, you know, I, I, I can see you. You're listening really good. But, but here's the thing. Remember, the ADD preacher has to have listening with volume. So it has. So here's the deal. If you're listening and it's very, very quiet and you're taking it all in, oh, my God, speak to me. It's like when me and my wife have a conversation. Okay, I, you may not know this, but I'm the extrovert. <laughs> I'm the extrovert. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the bathroom talking to myself. And my wife's always like, who are you talking to? And I'm always, every time it makes me feel weird. Every time. Because I'm like, I, I, I no way. You know, you know, and, and so when my wife, when she's thinking, she, it's, she's quiet. 
when I'm thinking I'm loud. And so, and so we'll be having a conversation, and then it's this great dialogue, and all of a sudden there's 45 seconds of silence. And my face is literally melting off. Because I feel like you didn't listen to me. You don't love me. You're not involved. And so I know that you're loving me right now because you're taking everything that I've said. But you know what? There's also this part of like, yes, we receive it. Yes, it's good. Ha, 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 ha. You know what I'm saying? Jokes. We laugh. You know what I'm saying? But it's like jokes. And internally, that was funny. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I would like to hear it just a little bit more. So we're just kind of going to wake up this morning. We've been spiritual P90, whatever we need to do. But we're going to kind of just get the blood flowing this morning. Um, here's the thing. Before we jump into this text, there, I want to give you a little background, a little context. This story is of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And this story has been preached, and it's, it's very well known if you have grown up in church. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that is in all four of the Gospels. And here we're seeing a major shift happen because Jesus just comes from healing a man and is this broken uh, paralytic that was hopeless into a moment where there are Galileans who are hungry. And what we see is there's this idea that Jesus is drawing the hopeless and he's about to feed the hungry. And what I'm telling you is then our life, the mandate I feel like on our life is to speak hope to the hopeless. Come on and begin to feed the hungry, not just physically, but there are people that are craving something. They're hungry for something. They're hungry for notoriety. They're hungry for success. They're hungry to what, whatever it is. They're hungry for something. And, and, and even when Jesus met the woman at the well, he said, the water that I can give you will cause you to thirst. Listen to what I'm saying. No longer. People in our world are looking for something. They're looking for something and they're craving something. They don't know what they want or they feel hopeless and trapped in a, in a whatever predicament, whatever life, whatever background, and they don't feel like I can really break out. And this is the place where we find Jesus about to communicate and have a conversation with people in the middle of hopeless and the middle of hungry. Can I tell you that there will always be great things of God happen when, you, when Jesus shows up in the middle of that. And here's the thing, don't be too Christian that you forget there was a day that you were hopeless. And don't be so religious that you, um, you, 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 you forget to be hungry. Don't be so, come on, the worst thing that we can do as a church is be churchy. We agree to words that we don't practice. Come on, somebody. Oh, yes, no, I would never be offended. Secretly why you're offended. Oh, no, I believe in prayer. Woo, boy, prayer changes the world. Great, when's the last time you prayed? It's been a while. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, well, we need the word. We need to change our thinking. We need to biblically understand so that we're not moved into false doctrine. We need to read the word. When's the last time you read the word? Oh, Sunday. You know what I'm saying? When we opened it and it was on the screen. Does it, come on, does that make sense? And so it's very, very easy for us to act like we are no longer hopeless and we are no longer hungry. Jesus moves in the middle of hopeless and hungry. Stay there. 
No matter how much success you get, no matter how many degrees you have, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how you transform your past and change your present, stay in a place where you need God and you're hungry for what He has for you. Stay in that place because those people will exceed every limitation and expectation. Those people, in 15 years, people will meet you and go, wow, you've changed. Why? Not because I was so much better that I bettered myself. Not because I changed my vocabulary. Come on, somebody. Not because I, I made all these right decisions, but because I need the Lord and I am hungry for his presence. Come on, somebody, in my life. Does this make sense? Come on. Come on. Man, I haven't started preaching yet. This is a, it's like the pre-preach, you know what I'm saying? It's like the, the, the fight before the fight. All right, John chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. It says this, And after Jesus went away to the other side, to the Sea of Galilee, which was the Sea of Tiberias, a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing with the sick. And Jesus went up to the mountain and he sat there with his disciples and the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. We don't have enough money. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but, but that's, not, that's not enough. And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass, and so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to them who were seated. And so the fish, as much as they wanted, and when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may cost. So they gathered them up, the twelve baskets and the fragments from the five lo barley loaves, and left those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they, uh, they said this, indeed, this is a prophet who's come into the world. I want to spend some time unpacking this. And, and if you're going to let me today, uh, I, I, I'm going to preach, teach. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I just want to kind of preach this passage a little bit. I want to unpack this idea for you. Church, we serve a God of multiplication. Come on, somebody. We serve a God of multiplication. And generosity is the DNA of the believer. But I want to caution you on this one idea. That God will always use what you have. God will always use what, what you have. Let's jump into this. Okay, here is Jesus speaking. He leaves to go away, and people and problems follow. Can I talk to everybody who's in a little bit of leadership? Can I talk to everybody who's had just a moment of leadership in their life? Come on, you just try to get away with your few friends. You just try to take a moment. Can I talk to anybody who leads a life group or volunteers or is on the dream team? Here you are just trying to get a moment, just trying to get away. But can I tell you something, that what you have in you, people will follow. What you have in you, 
people will follow. Can I just talk to some leaders? Because here's the thing. is Jesus had been actively doing ministry. And there were times, and there are times where Katie and I, where we want to we just, let's, let's, let's take a break. Let's, let's go, to, let's leave for a couple weeks. Let's, let's do that. I mean, can we just be transparent real quick? Come on. Even David ran away. And where did he ran away? Into a cave and found 500 men. That's not running away. Come on. There are times that you'll want to get away, but what God has given you will always draw people. There is an assignment on your life, and it is your job to get it out, and what is in you should be drawing people. Should be drawing people. You say, you know what, well, you know, I've heard people say, well, I don't know. There's just so many opportunities that I have. I didn't even ask for this. People call me all the time. They ask me for this. They ask me for that. I don't know. I'm so overwhelmed. Here's what I'm telling you is the crowd was following Jesus because of what he had. And people will follow you because of what you have. There should be something in you. And I believe, listen, that God is not done with miracles. I believe that his servants, I believe that there is something that should make us different. Listen, we Christians should, we're we're not politicians. We're not trying to sell Jesus. Listen to what I'm saying. We're not trying to sell Jesus is the best option. I'm just telling you, if you come right down to the front right now, and we're, like, we're not auctioneers. We're not trying to sell people Jesus. There should be a difference, come on somebody, in our life, and they should be following because they see something different from us. Not because we're great communicators, not because we're great salesmen or saleswomen, not because we sell good, but because we live. Come on, somebody, listen, different. There should be something different about who we are. And here's the deal. As he begins to draw away, he has his disciples sit down and he begins to do some ministry. And I love this because he goes up the mountain and and he he has his disciples sit. I can't wait till uh, next Sunday when we get all of our dream team together. You know, sometimes we just got to sit together. There's a lot of work and a lot of things, but sometimes we just got to sit together. And we got to, you know, and I was with um, four or five older men. Last week, I left and did a board meeting this last week and, and, um, and just sat around, and I was one of the youngest ones at the table. And, um, and they, they began to talk about just sitting. And I'm like, let's go. I'm, 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 I'm kind of have anti-pansy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like I want to do a lot. I kind of want to achieve a lot. And, and one of the older men, he was almost 70, he just said, you know what, there's power in sitting. And I was like, Yes. Yes. He was like, no, seriously. Uh, th- th- you know, because here's the thing. Th- there's, a, there's reasons that people don't go to life group, or there's reasons that people don't congregate or come together, or because th- there's no value in sitting. But the truth of the matter is, when we slow it down enough to be able to build relationships, what happens out of that is huge. I just read a statistic the other day that said that for whatever age you are, it requires that many hours of intentional investment before you feel like you have a friend. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm, I got to invest 43 hours before we, you know what I'm saying, we bros. I mean, that's what, that's the, what the article said. 
And so the thing of the matter is, you know, for all of us, it's important sometimes to sit. It's important for, for us to just come together and, 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 and not have the agenda. And, and that's why we're doing life groups, so we can just have this moment. Does that make sense? And Jesus understood. What, 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 I mean, Jesus told his, his disciples to sit. That is very, I mean, you would think that Jesus would be more productive than that. I mean, Jesus, we know how long you're going to be here. We know how long you're here. You're only here for like three and a half years. Obviously, there's someone that we can heal. There's something we can do. But sitting is probably not what I was thinking I was called into. I'm not a sitter. I'm a server. I'm not a sitter. I'm I'm, I'm a world changer. Come on, I don't want to sit. Who wants to sit? But sometimes sitting unlocks the next thing for you. And, and see, Jesus saw that sitting not as a waste of time, but it was a preparation for the next step. Yeah. See, I'm not talking about sitting where, where you, you, you back off and do nothing. Because here's the thing is, the disciples were not doing nothing, they were preparing. They weren't doing nothing, they were pre- preparing. Doing life gets busy, but can I just tell you, during the next month or two, I know we start life groups back at the end of January, but, 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 but can I challenge you to sit with somebody? Can I challenge you to go get coffee? Can I challenge you to sit with someone and begin to talk about what God's going to do and begin to see? Because here's the deal. When they could sit, listen to this, they could begin to see what was coming. When they were sitting, they began to see what was next and what God was doing. It's Passover. Why is that important? Because this was a symbolic moment. The children of Israel were leaving the mass exodus. Now think this. Then they were hopeless and they were hungry. And now Jesus is moving in and this mass exodus is coming. And they're all. And so here's the thing is God was establishing that there was a new Moses. There's, there was a new Moses, and, 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 and this Moses, just like the last, began to walk people in freedom. Remember, they were fed quail, manna. I mean, remember, remember that in the Old Testament? And now here is Jesus doing the same thing. I love it. It says that Jesus sees what's happening. Don't you just love the fact that God is never caught off guard? Listen to what I'm saying. With your own life. Maybe you've had the moment. I know we have over the last year. God, do you see us? Do you see what's happening? Do you know? And here's what I want you to know. Is that God begins to see. Jesus sees what's coming before it's even upon them. I don't know where you're at today. But God sees. Today. Could you humble yourself? Could, could we stay in a place where, where we are our hope is in Christ and we realize that he alone is the one that can feed us. Jesus sees the need before it even arises. Jesus, think about this as we read this verse. It says, you know, that Jesus looks at Philip and says, okay, meet the need. Meet the need. And I, I don't know how that conversation was. Have you ever been asked to do something that you felt like I am totally incapable of? You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when I first got married and my wife was like, can you empty the dishwasher? And I was like, can I hire someone? You know what I mean? It was like, it was like a moment. It was, a, it was a moment. Like, that was a little beyond me. 
But, but here's the thing. It's important to know that Jesus' question to Philip was a test. That's what the Bible said. Because Jesus wanted Philip to know who he was. Who he was. Philip's mental computer began to start processing data. He began to calculate. This is a lot of money. We can't feed these people. We can't, even if we had a lot of money, they would only get a little. Like, like this is not even going to work. Then Aaron pops up and says, well, I, I mean, we, we have this boy, and he, here's a fish. He's got, he's got you know, five biscuits and a couple fish. I, I mean, I, that's not enough. Sometimes Jesus will ask you a question because he wants to find out what's inside of you. Do we have faith or do we have hopelessness? Oh, church, we don't want to be a body of hopeless Christians where we feel like, you know what, there is no hope for us. Listen, God is the God of multiplication. When they begin to look around and see the crowd, listen to this. They were looking at the facts. They were looking at the crowd. They were looking at their resources. They were looking for people. They were looking, but they never checked this out. Philip was this close to the Lord, but they never looked to him. God, would that be scary as a body for us to be able to look everywhere else except for, come on somebody, him? Like I'm looking to my boss, come on, I'm looking to my mate, I'm looking to my kids, I'm looking to everybody else, but the one person that can change it, multiply it, increase it, come on somebody. We do it, I, 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 I remember crazy thing is we, we look to friends come on we can look to an ex we can look to a boss many times we talk uh, about what Jesus sees but here's the deal he always wants to put us in a position to elevate our faith to elevate our pray our faith Andrew started helping and he just came up with another systematic way to solve the problem can I tell you this in the middle of hopelessness Jesus told them to prepare. Now think about this. They're there, 5,000 people. Now you, you may not know this, but back in that culture, they only counted the men. So it was fifteen to 20,000 people. And Jesus says, prepare. Prepare for what? I mean, like, you got some biscuits up your sleeve that I don't know nothing about? I mean, like, you a chef too? I mean, like, like what, what are we preparing? And here's the thing. Before multiplication happens, there will always be order. See, a lot of us want God, come on somebody, God, a lot of us want God to move and to do and to open and to, to take us to the next level. But here's the deal. There has to be order. Multiplication is predicated on order. God knew we're going to have to sit these people down. Now, here's the where the, I mean, come on, church splits. In Mark chapter 6, verse 40, it talks about that he, he, Jesus told the disciples to sit them in groups of 40. I mean, 50. Sit them in groups of 50. Now, now think about this. I mean, that's when it got weird. We got 20,000 people being told where to sit. I'm telling you something. I don't like this group. I want to be in that group. You know what? This group's not really my culture. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're a little bit more creative. Their music's a little different. You know what? We, I don't really know if I like this group. I really, my friends are over there in that group. Come on. We're talking about church now. 
get a little structure. Well, I liked it when we were just flowing in the Lord. I just liked it when we could just come up and sit wherever we wanted in the grass. But now you're trying to tell us where to sit. Who do you think you? Come on. Listen. Some of y'all been to church. Y'all know. Send them in groups of 50. Well, who do you think you are? Well, here's what I'm telling you. If you want to receive, you're going to have to sit. If you're wanting to receive, if you're wanting to receive what God has, if you're wanting to receive, listen, you can stand, but Jesus said, everybody sit in these areas. Come on, somebody. Maybe the next multiplication moment in your life is when you change what you wanted to do and into what he wants you to do. Come on, somebody. Maybe the next, maybe the thing that you've been waiting on, it's burning inside of you. There is something going on in you, and you know that there's more, but you can't get to it because, come on, you want to stand when he wants you to sit. Or you don't want to sit here, but you want to go here. And so now we have more opinion. Oh, stop. stop. I got to go on. Listen, you hear what I'm saying? Every time I have surrendered major moments in my life, it always took me to the next level. You know, Kate and I just didn't come up here and plant this church. We served a pastor for 20 years. You know what that means? He offended us. We didn't like what he had to say all the time. It was frustrating. He asked me to build things that I didn't care about. And I had to care about it like it was mine. And every time there was a moment where I had to sit. And I'm not a sitter. Come on. I don't sit for nobody. Let me tell you something. It's 2000, baby. I'm going to get what's mine. But every time I sit. He, he, okay, listen to what I'm saying. I graduated high school at 19. It took me Six years to get a bachelor's degree. What I'm telling you is when you think of ex academic excellence, you don't think Stephen Sexton. <laughs> he comes to me and says, I want, you to, I want you to do an academic camp. Are you smoking? You on drugs? I mean, that was my thought. Like, literally, I want you to do an academic camp, and I want you to teach apologetics, and I want you to teach the validity of Scripture, and I want you to teach all of these things. And I remember him talking to me, and I'm looking at him like, you are crazy. I'm a preacher. You know what I'm saying? I don't do that. I do this. But here's the deal. I wrestled with it. For like six or seven months. But I had to realize, will I sit or will, come on, does that make sense? And when I did, I really believe that I'm able to exegete the scripture now because of the sitting I did then. See, I didn't know God was building me. Come on, does that make sense? See, you don't know what's happening when you're sitting where you've been asked. To, does that make sense? You don't know what's happening five years down the road, ten years down the road. You have no idea what God is doing. But listen to me. God does not waste words. And if Jesus says, sit here, there is a reason. Come on. 
Jesus says, have the people sit down. Listen, when God begins to touch order, miracles begin to happen. See, God wants everything in fitting in order. That's why in our church, I believe in spiritual. I believe in supernatural. But I also believe in order. And I believe that you can have both. I believe you can have a great experience and great theology. I believe that you can have both. Does that make sense? And you have to have an experience. Can I just tell you, you cannot come to church and learn the whole time. I can, I can, I can learn about my wife and we can take five or seven pop tests. But if she don't kiss me, does that make sense? There's a place in my back when she rubs my back. It's like, heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like right between the shoulder blades when she puts her hand. I'm like, go, okay, you got me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. And, and so if it was all, okay, let me learn about you with no relationship, experience, then we would be giving cold kisses. But if there was just passion, excitement, adventure and I don't learn her that excitement's dying real quick does this make sense see see that's that's the truth today as we're looking at this here's what I want us to see you may want a little bit of passion in your marriage you may want a little change in your kids. Come on, you may want to overcome that rebellion. There may be some things happen, but here's the deal. Multiplication is predicated on order. And so if you want to see God touch it, then it's got to come in order. Come on, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You got, you got to, if you want God to touch it, it's got to get on order. You want God to touch your finances, it's got to get in order. You want God to touch it. Come on, does it, hear what I'm saying. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three keys real quick to multiplication. I'm going to be done. The first is this. Y'all making me work today. Listen. Three keys to multiplication. Here's the first one. Many times the need causes us to see what we really have among us. See, if there was no need, that boy would have never been known and he would have never been used. Does that make sense? See, here's the deal. The boy was used because the need was present. What I'm telling you is there's a place for you here. But it's helping us address the next need. See, look at this. Look at this. This boy had left the house that morning. And he wasn't thinking I'm a part of the story. He was thinking, I'm going to watch Jesus do his thing. I'm going to watch Jesus do another miracle. I'm going to watch. Maybe you came to church today and you didn't know you were part of the story. You didn't know that you're in the next part. You didn't know that God was doing something and stirring something and wanting to break off. Come on, things in our heart, rebellion. It's things that will that, hold us back because God has something for you because he loves you. But here's the deal. That need pushes us to find answers. That need pushes us to find answers. We have needs here. We have needs. We have needs. We have a need to get our older generation together. To relate and connect. And here's the deal. Someone will do that. 
We have a need, listen, listen, to get marriages together. Someone will do that. We have a need to disciple young people. Someone will do that. We have a need for men to be discipled. Someone will do that. We have, does that make sense? That need produces, and you never knew it was you, but you're the one. You're the one with the loaves. You're the one with the fish. You're the one with the luggage. You're the one with the resource. You're the one with the heart. You're the one. You're that one. Businesses have been started because of need. Don't be so quick to quit. Here's the second thing. Nothing is insignificant when it's given out of love. I've had people come to me and say, well, I can't communicate because of the way I talk. I've had people say, well, I can't learn to play an instrument. I've had people, and here's the deal. God has continued to use them and continued to use them and continued to use them. Nothing's insignificant. When you come and you give, and it may be a little, it may be your little time, your little talent, your little treasure, but here's what I'm saying. When you begin to give, Listen, don't be focused on what's bigger and better. You give what you have, and then here's what happened. God will touch it, and we will begin to multiply it. And today, as we get ready to take up our heart for the house, we are moving into 2019, and we're going to do more ministry. We're going to spread more hope. Come on, we're going to spiritually feed more people. And here's the deal. Some will go with us, and some won't. And I'm okay with that. Because the kingdom of God, and I'm going to just tell you this, is called for the whosoever will. Not for all those who won't. God has given us something in this group. Some services, it may be small, but here's the deal. Those small things, the Bible says it's the small things that confound the wise. It's to confound the wise. I was reading the top five churches and how many numbers they had. And, and then, you know, I didn't even care about the numbers. And you're talking about, like, Lakewood has 45,000 people that come every Sunday. You know, just big numbers. But, but you know what? I, I began to dive down and read the stories of how they started with 30, 60. And after 20 years or 25 years, here's what God did. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that, and don't even start ha having anxiety. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I don't know. But here's what I know is that it's the little things that grow. Come on, we used to sing this song. It only takes a spark to get the fire going. Y'all hadn't heard that? That's, that's a jam. We need to remix that. Ch uh, Chance, remix that for me. Put that on. To give us Steven, y'all do that thing. It says, uh-uh, I think it'll be cool. Hear what I'm saying? Some of y'all like, we've never heard that song, and please do not sing again. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Come on. It's the whole idea. You know what? Have y'all heard this? If, you get, if someone promises you a penny every day for 30 days, you'll have like $5 million. Multiplication. When we bring our little, when we bring our little, and it multiplies, here's what you will see. February 14th, 2016, we launched the church after meeting over there, and I think we had probably about 45 people. 
And from that day to this day, we are now running three services. We probably have about 75 people, 65. I don't know. Some of y'all are better at math. You can't actually, you count. I, I kind of I guesstimate. But here's what I'm saying. God is growing something, and you're a part of it. You're a part of it. The third one is this. There is always more than enough when God is involved. There's always more than enough when God is involved. I love the fact that, that the, the last biscuit didn't run out when the last man went through the buffet. But that there were 12 baskets left over. But here is the thing, is that there wasn't this big clapping, woo, baskets left over. But there was work to steward what was left over. There was work to steward. In other words, we don't lose anything. We keep it. We take care of it. And here's the thing. Since we've been in this place, we've been able to save over $65,000. And here's what I'm telling you. We're going to steward that, and we're going to use that. And so right now, I sent a letter of intent uh, two weeks ago to um, a, a building uh, right behind Popeye's. Okay. Okay, right behind Popeye's. It is 12,000 square feet, so it's double what we have. And you'll never believe they want more money than what I'm paying right here. So, so I'm paying 6,000 here. We've never missed a payment. We, we're doing great. But they want like 10,500. And come on, I'm not, I, listen, let me tell you something. God, how are you going to feed all those people? And so I, I have been wrestling for the last two or three months. I mean, me and Joel have looked about probably 17 different places and prayed and, and thought. And is this one it? Is this one it? Is this one it? We, I, I've had Susan, different people helping me just find, find it. And then all of a sudden, this pastor calls me and says, you know what? You probably don't want this place, but we've spent a lot of money. We spent over $120,000 making this building a church. I think you ought to come look at it. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a world. I'm not a sinner, <laughs> you know? And I go over there, and man, I'm like, it comes over me. And I'm like, ah. Oh, then I go back and I take some staff and I'm like, what do y'all think? And, you know, they're all like trying to curb their expectation. <laughs> but inside they're like, yeah, we need it. You know, there's more than two bathrooms. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I take a, a group, a life group. I, we have this marriage group and we all went over there and looked at it and prayed. And, and here's the thing. We're going to do it. We're going to move forward. We're going to move forward because here's the thing. Look around. Most of the people in this room, 65% when you say, Andy, 65% of people in this room were not here when we started. And what will happen when we look around two years from now, what marriages what are God going to do in young people? You, this is not a perfect church, and we're we not perfect leaders. So, so I already know that. Don't, you, you don't have to remind me. 
But God continually takes imperfection and multiplies it. If the heart is right and if we love people and if, come on, does that make sense? And this idea of love and truth and here's what I'm saying to you. I believe in 2019 we're going to take some more ground. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.